Good afternoon and welcome along to the Korean FC podcast with me, your host and our special guest, Nevin Oliver and our regular contributor, Johnny McNabb. Afternoon, everybody. Afternoon, Damien. Afternoon, Johnny. Afternoon, guys. Boys, um, we're recording uh, as ever on a Wednesday afternoon and it was one of those weeks where we had a midweek game. Um, last night, Korean were away at the Oval against Glen Torren. Um, match ended 2-1 and um, it's probably, Johnny, a tale of what might have been. Obviously, you and I were there um, and we were within what, two, two minutes possibly of leaving with a a point at the over which you would have taken. Yeah, of course. I'm um, torn on the crest of the wave and they had a good win against uh, Cliftonville and Crusaders last week. So they were full of confidence and they are challenging for the league. I think obviously the first half an hour was pretty even. Not, I think both teams had one, one clear chance and then the Glen sort of took over the last um, 15 minutes of the first half and scored a great goal. And then they were a dominant team for the first probably 15, 20 minutes of the second half. And, and to be fair, we weren't seeing that change its formation Went three at the back and put two up front and it changed the game for us and, and we got an equaliser. You could probably sense that an equaliser was coming. Um, and then it's weird because we probably looked like a team that's probably going to go and maybe grab a winner. And, and then I saw free kicks coming away and we don't clear lines twice and, and the ball's in the back of the net. So, yeah, one of them things, I think, you know, if Corey were second in the league and, and Glyndebourne were sixth, it probably would have been revo- rules reversal. Um, but... Look, uh, Glentorn, you know, that, that was their team without the two Donnelly brothers, Big Arama, you know, Marcus Keane, then, then um, you know, Andrew Mitchell, Jordan Jenkins. So the list of players they have there is incredible. Um, and I said in the podcast about a month ago, I think they won the league and the mind hasn't changed. And they're so strong over the park. And um, yeah, it's a good, I suppose, you know, as well, from a Korean's point of view, um, it was good to see a bit of fight in them as well. When they're one all down and their heads go down, they, they you know, they, they, they rolled up their sleeves and, and gave a good go. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone could have regarded us a point. Um, but I suppose if one team probably deserved a negative, it probably would have been, would have been the Glens. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking here at the, the stats from last night's game. And Glen Torn had nine efforts on tar- or efforts on goal. Uh, Corian had two. I guess from that point of view, you can see that the Glen Torn maybe created a little bit more. But having said that, Corian you know, every bit could have left with a point. But um, Nevin, I'll, I'll bring you in here. I, I don't know if you were at the game last night or not, but Johnny has said there, I think he has said it previously, that he fancies Glenn Torn to, to go and win the league. Uh, would you would you agree with that, Nevin? Well, <clears throat> I would to a certain extent. And unfortunately, I couldn't make the game last night. But uh, like anyone who couldn't make it, they're always listening on flash score and other things. And uh, it was great whenever the flash score came through and we'd equalised, um, picking up bits and pieces through the BBC app and so on about what was happening. And you kind of sense, well, there seems to be a bit of a turnaround here. But like everybody else, and particularly in any game, to, to lose a game literally in the last minute. And it was such a, a gunker, never mind being at the game. So that, that was a real disappointment. In terms of Glen Torn, um, I always feel it's very difficult to pass Linfield in terms of winning the league. Um, however, this year you've got your Lorne, inevitably you've got your Cliftonville, who's playing very well. Um, I, 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 to be honest, I still fancy Linfield, believe it or not. Um, but it is, I think it's important to see now 
games in the wider context of what's happening in Irish League in relation to the money that uh, the, the obvious culprits, as it were, Linfield, Glenthorne, Cliftonville, Lorne, uh, have to spend. And, you know, there's a debate from a long line about the benefits or otherwise of that. And I'm not quite sure, obviously, but if you've got the money, you will spend it inevitably. So I, my money would, I always feel if you can, if you can finish behind Linfield, you will be up there. Uh, unfortunately, this year, I think that's probably past us, really. Yeah, yeah I think um, <clears throat> even the most diehard Korean supporters would would agree that any sort of potential league challenge or one, two, three placing in the league has probably gone for now. So I guess it's a question of, we were talking about this last night, Johnny and I on the way home, and I suppose Korean's real focus now is ensuring that they're in the European qualifying shake-up and also giving the Irish Cup a good run because both of those are a gateway to Europe which you know from your position within the club, Europe and the financial benefits of that are vitally important to a club such as Korean. Well, absolutely. I mean, it really is the lifeblood now of any clubs who aspire to to be in the upper echelons of, of the Premier League. Uh, and I mean, you can see the benefits over the last two to three years for Korean and the investment that we've been able to put in. Uh, both on the pitch and and off the pitch. So yeah, you have to say our two main routes now are maintaining a position in the playoff places and if at all possible, um, getting into the Irish Cup final and winning it because potentially you could be playing the actual league winners in that game as, as well. Um, so yeah, that, that, it's absolutely crucial. Um, and though I always I feel in terms of the, of um, the whole thing about your business plan be built in around getting European money is a very dangerous business plan. Um, even the best teams will at times struggle to uh, to make that. And if your business plan is built around that financially, it, it could be a disaster. Uh, but having said that, yeah, those are our two routes at the moment, possibly. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, as regular listeners to the podcast will no doubt be aware, um, for my sins, I'm also a Leeds United supporter. And what you mentioned there about basing your whole premise on qualifying for Europe, that's what did for Leeds back in the Peter Ridsdale, David O'Leary era and took the club many years to re recover from that. But um, um, Johnny, as I mentioned, we did talk about it it last night and I think we were both agreed that it's it's getting harder isn't it to to try and ensure a gateway to Europe either through the league or the Irish Cup because as Nevin alluded to the competition now is just so fierce isn't it yeah because it's weird because we spoke rest in the way down in the car and you know the top five teams in the league um three of them are full-time well you know Lauren Lumfield and Glenthorne Crusaders I think they're it's a full-time type model that they're doing. They're not part-time either. And Cliftonville, yes, whilst they're part-time, they train three nights a week. So that's the top five teams in the league. And then you've us, Balmina and Glenavon probably as an next tier. And then you've, you've likes of Carrick and Warren Point and everybody else. But it's those teams that, you know, the league is so competitive as well. You look at Dungannon, they've won by was it, three of the last four games. Warren Point always seemed to go on this incredible run around this time of the year. 
we we found Karakar to beat away from home as well. So the league isn't easy. Um, and it's all about trying to pick up as many points as you can against the big teams. And and to be honest, that's probably where we've we've lacked this season. Um, to be honest. Um, but yeah, again, you know, them full time teams are you know they've massive squads. They, you know, if one player goes out, they've another quality player to come in, and and that's just the nature of the beast. And it's the same in the Premier League and the same in Scotland or whatever. In term in Germany and in every league in, in the world, that you know the, the teams with the most money and the most infrastructure will have the better squads and, and will win the league, and that's just how it is. And again, you know, the last couple of years we've punched well above our weight in terms of that there, and we've competed and competed, but you know, only probably it was only going to be a matter of time before the full time teams that really kicked into the kicked into their own. Um, and I think you know, Glentoran is a fine example of that um, this year, um, and then Limfield are always there and thereabouts, and probably. Lauren will probably be disappointed in terms of how their league campaigns go. And I think for them to be fifth is in the league and being full time and the money that he spends probably a per probably price reflection in, in them. I, I don't think many would argue. And whereas Cliftonville they're going rightly as our you know Crusaders are just sneaking up and sneaking up. And so yeah, look, it's difficult. Um, but hopefully we'll be a European playoff. Um, try and finish up as high in the league. And if we can get a few league results, a good few league results, it'll give you momentum for the cup games as well. So the players know that they're fighting for for the cup final places as well, so I'm sure Warren that will be quick to, to remind them of that. Yeah, I mean, Nevin, I mean, with the greatest respect, you've probably been watching Korean a bit longer than Johnny and myself. <laughs> I mean, you've probably seen a lot of changes within the Irish League uh, over those years. I mean, or do things stay the same, if you know what I mean, or, or do they come in cycles in terms of some clubs go through a good period and then drop away or is there a consistency? I mean, I guess Linfield is the benchmark because they're always going to be uh, up there. Um, but I mean, how how different is the league now to maybe when you started following the Irish League? Um, well, it's obviously very different currently because of the very reasons we've been talking about. Um, if you go back a number of years, um, there didn't seem to be that type of divide that has crept in over, you know, you've got the top six and you've got the bottom and you can nearly predict to a certain extent what's going to be in there. Um, uh, so it, it did seem a bit more even years back, albeit that Linfield were always going to be up there. You then had the whole concept of the big two, you had to be Glen Torn and Linfield. Um, the money that's come in recently for, for uh, Lauren Crusaders to a certain extent because they had a very good run over a number of years has allowed to get themselves into that semi-type professional thing. But a, a very good example of where you have to be careful about the, the money is, <clears throat> and I'm not casting any aspersions here at all, but Glen Torn are a very good example of how they were nearly put out of football by investing in players to try and keep up with uh, Linfield the ground went into wreck and ruin. And what annoyed me to a certain extent when, when I was involved, particularly when health and safety measures came in, it seemed to be that there were some clubs getting away with blue murder in terms of health and safety. And yet I remember them coming down to Korean to do inspections and they would be so picky about the smallest thing. So they seemed to be, um, they seemed to be an impulse in terms of the approach. And that was... That, that was crazy, but I mean, that nearly put Glen Torn out of football. Now, they have kind of come full circle in that because of that, some was able to come in, clear their debt and invest uh, invest heavily. The, the other things uh, over and beyond the pure footballing matters, 
is um, well, there's the coaching, obviously. Heather's, Heather's got much better and, and so on. And we've got one of the best managers, coaches in, in the league, in my view, um, uh, has been the bureaucracy. Now, I know guys out there in the terraces and so on, will, and they don't need to know, but I think it's important to, for them to recognise that what goes on behind the scenes. We have to put in a licence of application each year, and I tell you, it's about the same as Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, whatever, have to fit in. So the administration of that, the cost of that, because you have to have electrical certificates, engineering certificates, et cetera, et cetera. To me, that has been one of the biggest bureaucratic changes. And yes, you have to maybe argue that that is needed, but <laughs> there's been no proportional help brought in or recognition that clubs have to deal with that, particularly, again, you know, the clubs that are not as heavily financed as the obvious ones. So that, that has been a, a, a big factor. Um, yeah. That's a very important uh, fact that you talk about, Nevin, because you mentioned the, the man, the, the fan on the terrace, like, and with the greatest respect, the guy, we, you know, supporters go to games and by and large don't want to know about that kind of thing. They just want to see the, t and coming to this time of the year in January, it's supporters are looking for new players and, and they're wondering why the players don't come in. I mean, Johnny, you've been a fan before you were working in the media and you know plenty of the fans and I'm right in what I'm saying, isn't it? That supporters just want to see success on the pitch. They don't really care so much about the, the, bureaucratic bits and pieces that Nevin's referring to. Yeah, but I think, you know, you need to be realistic as well. And, you know, the club nearly went out of business as well, you know, and that was less than 20 years ago. So, you know, things, you know, you only, and I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks in the podcast, you look at the League of Ireland teams, look at many of them have, have tried to spend more than what they have and then went to the wall. They're sporting, was it Sporting Fingal were one, um, Shelbourne, uh, I think they were, they'd done the same. Um, you probably Cork in the last recent years, they went from really the top, you know, down to the bottom. Dundalk had been struggling there for a while after their recent success too. So it's all about spending within your means. And, you know, the running of a football club, it's not just simply uh, turning up on a Saturday and, and you've all your stewards there and all your media and all the volunteers and then all, you know, it just all doesn't happen by chance. There's so much organisation. Um, and it's just, and football now is, is more than, than watching 22 players in a football pitch. It's a business as well. And, um, you know, and I think Corey in the last, you know, the professionalism around the club with the club shop and the social club and everyone else and, and turn and sponsorship with with um, with Clement and everyone else. It's trying to, we're all trying to move in the, in the one direction. And hopefully now with, with the, the pitch and everyone else, we can meet the benefits of that and years to come. But yeah, it's, you know, in terms of signings, yeah, it's great, you know, picking this player and that player, but it's not football manager. Um, so, you know, it's, you can't make up, you just can't, you know, you can't get money out of thin air. You can't get players, they they, they move up to Corey or near the North Coast, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, it's just one of them things. And, yeah, and, and I think, and I said this before, I think just Warren and, and the club just probably have to target the, the right players in the, in the local area that are, that are good enough to play for Corey. And uh, Nevin, I mean, Johnny referred to it there, you know, we all remember, and, and you were famously involved, um, Johnny referred to the time that Korean FC almost went out of business. Um, Johnny said that was about 20 years ago. Um, you, you were one of the, I guess, the, the guys that helped at the time to rescue and to save the club, um, very famously did so. 
Um, I'm just wondering, looking back on it now, Nevin, I mean, what are your memories of, of that particular time? Because we all have our own memories of, of that time and what happened. But, you know, what, 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 what sticks out for you and how do you remember that particular time? Um, uh, it was an extremely traumatic time all round. And um, I, I remember I was on holidays. No, maybe it's maybe better to, to go back actually a year to two years yeah. prior to the actual process of having to go to court. And the club, and I mean, it's interesting that the previous discussion we're having there about being a fan and then being involved within the board and all that goes with it. And I mean, prior to that, I, like everyone else, was a fan. I've been watching for a long number of years, etc., etc. Um, and uh, about, I can't remember exactly the dates now, but around 2003, 2004, uh, the word was out, fans were getting wind of it, that there was financial difficulties. And that went on for a long time, newspaper reports, etc., etc. And obviously, being a fan, uh, fans didn't understand the background to it and, and whatever. And uh, Raymond, we, we, we actually went, we, it was um, a meeting held in the social club one night, way about a year prior to then everything going belly up, as it were. And um, there was a meeting by the club inviting supporters in to say, guys, look, we have some financial difficulties here. Could we all get together and find ways of fundraising? To cut a long story short, um, Raymond Kirk, who was one of the other people along with John Mayers, um, went to the court to, to fight the case. Raymond stood up and he says, I've got an idea. And he mooted the idea of the concept of Friends of Korean. So Raymond has to take a lot of, gets a lot, should get a lot of credit for the concept because that allowed then a few of us. And then Raymond asked me, I mean, I didn't know him that well at the time. He asked me and Basil Kalach, um, a supporter, long-term supporter, would we help him? So we helped him set up the concept, the various things that had to go into place to, to make it work. And it started out really, really well. A lot of people joined and money was coming in uh, and people were assured where the money was going to, et cetera, et cetera. Now, at that point in time, um, things really were bad for the club. And our role in that core group initially of friends was about paying money to help the club pay bills. We couldn't have afforded to put money in simply to buy players and bills not being paid. So the con at that time, it was really about paying bills and so on. Um, and that, that was helping out. Jesse Brown did a remarkable job because he was left as a part-time secretary trying to manage all of that administration. So, uh, so he played an important part in, the, in those difficult times. Um, it then came to light that the club uh, were really on the verge of having to go into administration. And you, I was on holiday. I got a phone call from a couple of people when I was on holiday saying, Nevin, have you heard? I says, yeah, I have, unfortunately, what's happening. And there was a meeting called of interested parties in Raymond Pollock's boardroom. And I was coming home the next day and there was quite a few people there, you know, Hugh, um, Raymond Pollock, Willie Hart, a lot of the people who have been around the club for a long time and a few other people. I remember Grant being there, Grant Cameron and, and so on, and a few, a few supporters. And um, at the meeting anyway, um, I remember making a phone call to the person who was dealing with one of the debts, i.e. the tax, the income tax. 
and uh, tried to persuade them, you know, we'll, we'll try and set up a new board, et cetera, et cetera. They had to take a very clear legis uh, legal line and say, well, look, no, there's been a breach of uh, process here. We cannot step back from this. And subsequently, uh, we were going into administration. Then everyone will be very aware, or certainly the people who were about at the time, will be very aware of the Port Stewart game. And uh, that was called, that was a friendly game. And I remember it so well. And in fact, you and, and uh, other people in the media at that time had some great photographs of grown men crying. Uh, and, and the emotion was incredible. Now, that night, I think we raised something like £18,000. And that went straight into to, to friends. Um, at the end of that, people were asking, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And... I felt that we, we need to do something more. And I suggested that I would like to go along with the directors involved at that time to the administration meeting in Belfast the next day. I asked for two people to come with me and that was Raymond and John, Raymond Kirk and John Mayers. Subsequently, that's how John, Raymond and myself <laughs> became the, 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 the conduit for, for that debate. And subsequently, we had about six weeks or more of constant up and down to Belfast to the High Court. And I, I suppose, on hindsight now, Damien, uh, in fact, I was saying this to someone the other day, if I'd known what was involved, what we had to go through, and your naivety about the process, I probably wouldn't have done it. Oh, no, exactly. Or, or, or John. But it turned out it was a good team. John was very good with finance and presentation. Raymond was a good, hard-nosed guy working with people on the ground and so on. And I, I suppose I come up with a bit of experience in terms of organisations and so on. Now, what people don't realise either, that there was two or three battles going on. It wasn't just simply a battle with the court and trying to save the club. We had a battle with the IFA. With a battle with other Irish League clubs, which was all going on in parallel and never got into the news. IFA didn't know what to do because this was the first case where, God, what do we do here? Do we put them, do we, do we put them out of the league? Do we demote them? Whatever. So we had a major battle with the IFA. And I have to say, I won't name them, but I have to say there were one or two other clubs who were not particularly supportive. We say, oh, no, get them out, get them out, type of thing. Um, and other ones were very supportive. So anyway. To get to the crux of it, um, we then got a judgment in the High Court. And in and, and fact, I just made a wee note of this. Judge Weir, Justice Weir, was the guy who, who dealt with the case. And I think he got a feel from ourselves that this is very important to these people. This wasn't just purely a business matter. There was emotion. There was a community attached to it. And he actually said at the end of it, I'll quote, community don't know how much they need their football team until they lose it, you know? And we were very close to losing it. What the AFA wanted us to do was, look, if we win the league and we'll support you in this, this legal fight, but we need you to go down two divisions so we have been seen. Now, we had no interest. And we made it very clear to Hardwells at the time, if that's the road you want to go down, we three will walk away from this. There's no way we had the energy or will or knowledge to start two divisions down type of thing. So anyway, we got the result and it, it moved on from there. The one thing I should say, Damien, that someone who really needs a, a, a mention is Marty Quinn. 
Murray was at the manager at that time and he tried to hold it together. He lost a lot of players, you know, as a result of it. He brought in some, he retained some. But um, uh, I, I, I remember Murray being totally, totally... I mean, Murray could have gone. Murray could have gone. The club owed him money. Murray was an absolute treasure at that time and deserves a lot of credit for sticking by the, by the club. So I, I suppose there were different things and different faces of that that stick out for me. Of course, your game because of the emotion, obviously. Um, and it's interesting when you think about it, there's a generation who wouldn't even have known about it. And there, there's another group of people who um, just have simply forgotten about it. Uh, uh, absolutely, and under, understand that. But I think it, it's maybe worth bearing in mind that perspective of where we were and, and, and where we, we've, we've come to. And Korean town has always been a football town you can sense the emotion and the camaraderie around the town when we get into finals um the way shopkeepers come out and, and so on. so it's very much um a football town and i think there is a different psychology about the place when the team is doing well there certainly is and it's interesting and, and important that you say that nevin about you know, a generation that maybe isn't aware of that. And I'll bring Johnny in here because, Johnny, you are of a certain age. I mean, I, I'm assuming or guessing that the, 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 the game, the famous game that Nevin's talking about against Port Stewart, which was a, a hugely emotional night, as he said, um, I'm guessing you were probably too young to remember. And a lot of what Nevin is talking about, you may have heard before, but you weren't aware of it at the time? Yeah, I'd have been about 10 or 11, and I remember going that match and like seeing grown men cry, and it was like, they're not meant to cry. It's, and that, that is totally weird, you know what I mean? It's just like, why is he crying, if you know what I mean? It was just, like, I was just emotionally detached, if you know what I mean, at that age. But when you look at, you know, teams in England, you know, Bury, for example, they, they've gone to the wall in a way, and it's just, you know, I just can't imagine not having Corey in there, yeah. you know, and... And that's why you have a lot of respect for the likes of Murray now, who have obviously they've they've had to re, re, rebuild and, and you look at them now and, and how they're going. And in terms of in terms of the club, my, my dad would have been involved with Friends of Korean for a for a short period of time. And I remember he done was at a fundraising night, he had the uh, footage of the game against Dynamo Kiev. Um right. his grandfather, I think, would have videoed that. So um yeah, so they done a fundraising night of that there and have all the old paper clip outs and my dad and me and pictures taken and, and everything else. So it's sort of it's nice memories they have they, they show how much Korean have sort of progressed, if you know what I mean. But in terms of actually having factual knowledge of absolutely everyone, um this is like a history lesson for me here. Um so um I, you, you know, and you've heard different things about it, but I wouldn't have a specialist knowledge on it, no, to be honest. When you hear somebody who was at the, the very heart of it, somebody like Nevin and and what they went through. I mean, I, I remember covering it. I mean, I'm that old that I, I was covering <laughs> it at the time. Um, and for those guys, like, you know, Nevin and John and Raymond, ordinary supporters from the terraces suddenly thrust into that spotlight. And, you know, those guys were going and standing up in court and reasoning with seasoned barristers, etc. I mean, it's quite hard to comprehend, Johnny, just that leap from being a supporter to, I don't know, almost becoming a, a, a QC, if you like, yourself. Yeah, like, you know, me and your fans, and that's like Corey and needing us two to go up in court. I'd, I'd be snookered. I'd be snookered, so I can write from court, but I would need you to uh, speak for me. But yeah, no, 
in, in a serious note, but it is, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and it just shows you how much the, the club uh, means to those three gentlemen. Um, yeah. The club's obviously indebted to them. Um, and not only now in, in the last 20 years, but for you know, I'm alive and you're alive and everyone's alive. Um, it'll always be a part of, of the history of, of Corey Ian. And, and I'm sure for them three guys, when Corey and do do well, it sort of means I extra bit more to them, obviously, um, when an Irish Cup or League Cup or in Europe and, and everyone else. So, yeah, unbelievable. I, I can't imagine, as I said before, ever not having Corey in about. Um, and you're sort of, you know, we're lucky they have him when you think how close it was. And, Yes, we go down the road unhappy on a Saturday when we don't lose, but I think you always have to always look at the bigger, the bigger picture. We we get to go and watch our team every week coming away, so uh, I'm very very grateful for that. Yeah, I mean Nevin Johnny says about just how close the the, the club came to going out of out of business, and I suppose it uh, be fair to say that ever since then, you know, the people in charge of the club have been extra careful just to make sure that the history doesn't repeat itself and. You have to take care to not go down the same road again. Absolutely vital that, and, and it's funny how um, if I'm talking to John or Raymond, we sometimes we, we kind of reflect on the fact that we would hate to see that legacy ever being threatened uh, because of what had had to go into it. You know, two two things maybe just as well, which uh, Johnny triggered there in my head. One was um, slightly off what you're asking, Damien. One was that it ended up being a landmark judgment actually at the court because the IFA had no precedence, they had no rules, governance regulations for that happening. So they in turn had to, that became a landmark judgment for the IFA to put in place their procedures if ever did happen again. And the other thing which the obvious, which we've admitted, is that it's a unique way for a club to be owned. There's very few um, similar type ownerships. And I would love somebody from Abu Dhabi to come in and to buy it. <laughs> and yeah, no. we, will, we will buy it. But it, it does a unique, a unique situation. And to this day, uh, Peter Morrow and other people who are now involved in Friends of Corey and managing the actual process, they do bring in good money. And I think it is a testament to, to the fans and the people contributing to that. It is a, it's a valuable income source uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a, good, that's a good point you make because, I mean, we hear now a lot of a lot about clubs being fan fan owned, if you like, and and I suppose Korean were one of the almost the first across Britain, UK, whatever you like to call it. Um, one of the first to be owned by the supporters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, you kind of, you know, you it's only sometimes in hindsight you realise what you've done and what the outcomes um, and you, you know you, you just took it for granted but on reflection sometimes you realise you know this is unique the way you know, the outcome has been unique in terms of the management of it and, and so on and I mean you, you mentioned that it's been just superb over the years to see uh, whenever we had to we, we whenever in the administration we actually had to go in the administration you know, for a period of time because to satisfy the court that we could run the club so we, we had to start a management committee rather than a board. And eventually we were able to come out of that and create a board. And we got a lot of very good people back on again um, and, and, and so on. Um, but it has evolved over, over time, both in terms of dealing with the bureaucracy, the professionalism, um, the governance associated with them in any organisation, never mind a football club. 
And of course, in more recent times, Colin has come on board as, as chair and I, Colin's a terribly committed football person and I have every respect for him. For him. And I, I, uh, I don't envy the job, to be quite honest now, you know. Uh, you kind of feel I've done the bit and that other people get on with it. But believe me, and, and again, it goes back to the point about fans don't want to know, and that's fine, that's fine. Maybe we don't want to know, but all as I would be saying, just recognise what yeah. has to go on. You know, um, these are all working men as well. They commit tremendous time, um, their own money at times, um, ideas, and um, it's a good board working well. And you can see that now with the developments around the ground. Uh, yeah, and, and I, you know, Johnny, I mean, we, we would ask Gorn about various things about um, transfers or January uh, window or whatever, and he's always quick to point out that he he has a budget and he always would intend sticking sort of rigidly to the budget and he won't be drawn into say for example Glen Torn going and spending a lot of money on a player or Larne going and spending a lot of money on a player and he's quite conscious of the fact that he doesn't want to get drawn into that game where he and Corrine start spending big money on players and that's something he's, he's quite firm about Johnny isn't it? Yep, it is, and I think Oren probably, you know, in a, in a business side of things, probably treats Corey's money the way he'd probably treat his own, and you know, you have to, it's a business, and it's as simple as that there, and, and yes, of course, it would be nice to have all the lavish Irish League players playing at Corian, but, you know, unless, you know, this Abu Dhabi businessman that Melvin's going to start for us comes in, <laughs> um, it's just not going to happen, and, you know, and that's why Oren is boxed really, really smart, you know, he likes to change my lock in the Park Hill, Skinner, you know, and then developing your own like London Key and Adam Mullen. Um, you know, so that's where he's been fantastic and where he's, where he's earned, earned his corn, so to speak. And and yeah, look, you know, players have left, you know, Kieran Harkin, Jimmy McGonagall, Chris Jones, they've all left to go to full-time football. It's not a slanting core aim. It's not, you know, it's nothing to do with Orn or our position. It's just because those facilities and those full-time offers and, and everyone else are offered elsewhere. So, yep, look, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be probably even, get even tougher to, to compete with them teams. But, at the end of the day, I think if any, if you've worn Curie as your manager, it's probably near enough. A, a, you're trying to, you know, you, you can bridge that gap as best you can. And, and yeah, um, you know, the challenge is tough, <laughs> but um, we, we certainly held our own the last few years. And, you know, we're still in the cup final this year and two chances of Europe, which would definitely mark a, another good season. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that, that's on the pitch and, and off the pitch as well, Nevin. Uh, Korean continue to evolve and continue to make great strides. I mean, we all know that the, the new artificial pitches proved to be a, a great success. There are obviously ambitious plans to modernise and upgrade the showgrounds. And I think anybody that has been in the vicinity of Ballycastle Road in the last couple of days or so, will have seen the start and the art workings of that, that the, the perimeter wall at the showgrounds is in the process of being taken down and, and opening up the ground um, more to the public. And I mean, that's just a visible sign, Nevin, of a lot of the work and the plans to continue to make Korean um, a competitive force in the, in the Irish League. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, and Johnny mentioned something there that I would reflect on, and that is that um, there, there's a tension, there's, there, there, there'll be three tensions here. One will be what the manager wants and needs, 
there's what the board need from a governance point of view. And inevitably, you know, there have to be compromises on both sides to make that work. The other thing which um, I personally am a great believer in that in the current scale of play, when you're trying to bring players down, um, and you're hoping that, and Oren made this point actually, that full-time football, no matter how good a footballer you are, may not work for them personally. You may be in a professional job, you don't want to give up for a three-year contract, you lose your pension, you lose all of those things. So there'll be people like that that Oren I know can see picking up. The other thing is, what attracts them to the club? Oren as a manager will attract them to the club. The way the club is run... And that's why I think the recent changes have been so important. I mean, Oren has been instrumental in the designing of the changing rooms, the recent changes, why they should be like that, um, and so on. And then Colin with his other team looking at the aesthetics of the ground. And I, I, I just think that wall coming down, it's, it's iconic, that wall. It's been there for, I think, 70 years or more, people saying. Um, I think it'll help the Balacasa Road, never mind the... the um, the, the outlook of the, the football court, you know, the, the forecourt and things like that. And there will be other things have to be done once that come down. And you will see those happening uh, very soon as well. So you have a nice frontage. But I mean, you have people then coming down and saying, well, there's more to Corey in them then being able to pay me a little bit of money. That looks a good club. Their facilities are good, etc. And, and the one thing, I was of an era where um, I played on grass pitches, light grass pitches, and was never a fan, even when they were introduced, of the AstroTurf as they were and now the 4G. However, I have to say that you can see the difference in the way Korean can, can play on a pitch like that. Not only that, a, a, son who was at, a son of a friend of mine who was at the game one day, he made a very good comment, and he says, the fact that you don't notice the pitch is good. In other words, you don't really know you see it as a, an artificial pitch, um, you know. So uh, I have been, <laughs> I've now been crossed over, as it were, <laughs> to uh, being a fan of that particular pitch. You know, I think it's a really good pitch. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you you referenced Orn and about his input into the changing rooms, etc., as well, and also. He was instrumental in the drive to get the 4G pitch down and a lot of the European money went on laying the pitch. I mean, a lot of that money, we could have got players left, right and centre with that money, but instead the priority was seen as a new pitch. And it's interesting when you speak to Oren and after one of the games and, you know, again, it's the thought process that he has because I think it was Windmill Stars after that particular game um, and he said that prior in prior previous seasons if they were playing an Irish Cup game against the likes of a, a windmill stars and the pitch was slow and heavy they couldn't move the ball around which would then give those teams a better chance of getting a result whereas with a slick pitch they got Corian were able to shift the ball and move quickly and then what happened was then they go and win 6-0 and windmill stars can't keep up with them. So it gives an insight into Orne. He thinks about almost every aspect of the club, not just the 11 players on the field, but also the pitch, the changing rooms, giving the players the best opportunities of getting the best results. And as well as that, I mean, Nevin, you appreciate as well the fact that bringing through young local players is obviously a, a key aspect of the club as well and I mean that would be something that would be 
important to you as well as, as a supporter? Uh, well, absolutely. I, I mean, there's there's kind of a balance, I think, in, in, in academy football, and that is that you need a lot of kids coming through to get the two gems. Um, now, that in its own sense requires money. Now, Colin had asked me about a year and more ago, would I have a wee look at how to restructure organisationally the, the academy? And subsequently, again, to cut a long story short, we managed to merge the Korean Academy, which treated a bit of revamping along with Bertie Peacocks to become now, you know, a, a much stronger and uh, now extremely well, well run by David Platt and, and so on. Um, and that now in its own right, then the increase in numbers of kids, because the academy, the way of strong, attracts the kids. The coaching has been stepped up, but you always want to improve on that anyway. And now they're playing on good pitches, both at score, um, further up the Ballycaster Road, and now they're able to play uh, on Saturday mornings and other times on the main pitch. And you'd probably know, I mean, I, you'll need give me your eye teeth to be able to play on the Korean football pitch type of thing. Now you can do that. Um, and, and so on. And the, the point again, John is making that, that's what I like about Orn over and above the pure football management. Um, he's got a wider concept, he's got a wider vision. And um, again, it, it, it's part of the difficulty of managing the um, manager's ambitions with the club's um, financial restrictions, etc., etc., and so a decision was taken. And Colin wisely, I think, brought the board with him and said, "This will be a worthwhile." And yes, we could buy three good, good players here, but we're still left with a rubbish pitch. We're still spending money day and daily on it, and, and so on. And then you lose those two, three good players anyway. So I, I think, in the context of the, of the vision of the whole thing, that has been a, a worthwhile investment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Johnny, it's it's almost it's like long term planning, isn't it? I mean, I'm again not casting aspersions in any clubs in any way, but I mean, you get the sense at Korean that there's a long term view there in terms of what Nevin's talking about with the academy, with the new pitch, with the changing rooms, etc. And I guess the people in charge are, are to be commended for trying to take that long term view as opposed to just short termism. Yeah, and I think, you know, and the best respects that you get are the best groundsman in the world, but probably a pitch just need a refresh as well. So, and it's so weird because the first time I went down and they were laying the 3G, the 3G pitches just looked totally weird. And then now I'm just so used to it, if you know what I mean. And, and we've always played really, really good football on it as well, which is, which really helps our us as well. And, and not only that there, but, you know, the 3G pitch is, is the hub now of the community. Um, and fans go down there, you know, fans can go down and watch the players train or watch their kids train and, you know, all the players are there now and, and not the university. They're at the showgrounds preparing for, for the weekend ahead. So, yeah, look, it's to be commended. And, and Nevin will probably know this more than anyone. And how many times have you heard the old phrase, oh, Korean would never spend money or they're all talk and they won't do it. But, you know, this summer they did do it. Um, they have the pitch there, the changing rooms, they have the big scoreboard uh, and they've other ground improvements well underway. So, yeah, and, and even on the wall, uh, that's that's my favourite part of the whole regeneration so far. It just opens up everything. It looks far better, and funny because you left me back at showgrounds last night, and I was just like, "Whoa, checkers! There's the, there's the, there's the reserves pitch so clearly." And you know, I see uh, even people, even the residents, I'm sure in the Ballycastle will like that too. It just opens up oh, everything. 
and um, yeah, the plans and stuff for Corian are amazing, and, and I'm sure it's only a sign of things to come. And I'll encourage, and I say this as a league, never, the whole wide league, never, just not even Corian, but the better facilities and the better you know grounds and stuff you go to, the more you're more likely to, to invite families and you know and, and kids and everyone else. So I can only, yeah, well, I think I think you only have to look at the numbers that Corian yeah. are attracting in terms of spectators that, yeah. The, the work that the, the club and the people are doing around the club wow. is paying off in terms of, I think, uh, up until quite recently, Korean had the second highest home average attendance so far this season. And I mean, that's that mm-hmm. speaks volumes for a provincial club, doesn't it? Yeah, of, co- of course it does. And I think I think we're fourth in the away list as well for away supporters um, behind, I think, behind Cliffenville and then the top two in the league. So, you know, the crowd, I even thought the crowd last night was pretty good for, for a Tuesday night um, as well. Yeah, the crowds have been fantastic. Um, I think they realise that the Korean are trying to go places um, within their means. You know, it's going to be you know it's going to be hard to compete with full time teams, but we've done that in the last three or four years. We've now got a, you know a three G pitch, um, and we've so many you know we've a fair few young players coming through. Obviously, I think it's been muted now that one's going to go over away to England now. But you've likes of Patrick Kelly there coming through as well. There's Tosh Jay Riley, and, and they'll be knocking on the first team as well. Yeah, and Oren gets the best out of the players at his disposal. So, yeah, you only have to look at our, you know, success. We have a cup final as well. We look forward to, and and then I think the overall match day experience now because of the regeneration of Reynolds has, has been improved, and you know the sponsorship committee as well deserve a massive, um, you know, without them, you know, you don't have your ball sponsor, you don't have your mascots, you know, you, you've your community development plan as well. You know, I don't think there's been a half time where it hasn't been a been a primary school been there and playing at time as well. So across both sides of the community as well, which is really, really important. So look, long may that, long may that continue. And, you know, we all love Corey and we all want to, to do well, but, you know, it's, it's not just on the pitch that we're doing well, but we're doing so much work behind the scenes as well, which deserves a lot of credit. I'm sure there's plenty of people, you know, who I'm forgetting about, you know, like, said, you know, Chris Gray with the Jordan team, you know, we've got Scott working, there's Bonhoff in the shop and, you know, we have all the social club staff as well. So, we're all pulling in, in the one direction for Korean. The team yeah. effort. I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of the, the wall coming down at the ground, etc., etc. I'm sure Linfield fans coming down this week probably think they've gone to the wrong ground when they arrive, <laughs> Nevin. And things, the, the whole look of the place is different. They won't know where they're at. Well, that wall in particular just changed the whole outlook and it's the first thing that will hit you. I think you won't appreciate the whole thing until the other work's done. When, you know, the wall's down, things tidied up and you get a, a different vista, as, as it were, and they do a bit of work at the back of, of the grandstand to change the aesthetics there. Um, I, again, you know, I, 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 there's two things I would plead for at the moment. And that is that, again, it's been referred to there in our discussion, is that there's the football development and there's the other development that goes on alongside of it. And I would really, I've been involved for a while, way back with Corium Council in terms of trying to get them on board and see the value of the club and so on. Now, I understand the difficulties facing any council in Corium Council uh, and, and so on. But, and there's been tidbits offered, there have been ideas offered, um, and I haven't really, and we lost the Milk Cup because the ground couldn't be 
matched with what was being required as the Milk Cup progressed and so on. And I, again, I, I set this in context. I understand the problems of councils in Northern Ireland, of funding arrangements and so on. But they do have a role. And, and, and I think Coleraine, the football, the facility, its location <clears throat> is well situated to become part of a whole regeneration of that type of area. Now, there are two things there. One is, well, the main thing is funding, and the two potential sources for additional funding would be council. So it really, and Morris Bradley has been very good over the years at lobbying and help, trying to help. And, uh, you know, so we have to look more now to the local councillors as opposed to the MLAs to influence the council in trying to get on board. Now, I know there are potential opportunities there. The other big one, to my annoyance, is the football money sitting at the executive. This money has been available for years. And between executive being disbanded, general politics going on, the case when park issue, it has delayed the money getting down to grassroots football. And really, I think that is absolutely the next big funding thing that has to be released. It really does. And um, I'm unsure now where the blockage might be in that, to be, to be quite honest. But that, and what Johnny's saying about you know, the, next, the next developments, that would be crucial to the next phase of physical development and so on. Well, I hope, you know, now, now would be a good time. I mean, recently there was news about the Sky television deal, BBC NI uh, television broadcast deal. The attendances are probably never been as high. So I would suggest now is the optimum time to get that money out to clubs to build on that momentum and the feel-good factor around the football. As, as you say, it's tied up probably with the Casement Park issue. So if that can get resolved anytime soon, the domino effect hopefully will be that local football clubs will get a little bit of money. And Korean have shown that they're prepared to put their own money into it. So it would be yeah. nice to see it reciprocated by the executive, etc. And then that would just take things obviously to a, a, a different level. But I mean, that's that's for another day. That's down the line. I think most immediately, and, and I guess to probably wrap up the, the podcast, guys, this week, I mentioned Linfield there a few minutes ago. Um, we had Glen Torn away on Tuesday, Linfield at home on Saturday. It's as hard to two games as you can possibly get. I mean, Nevin, how do you see Saturday's game? I mean, Korean will feel a little bit of hurt from Tuesday night. And I guess that's a good way to go into a game against uh, Linfield. Yeah, exactly. And we've done reasonably well against Linfield, you know, bear in mind uh, uh, as well. Um, I suppose maybe I'm an extremely optimistic supporter and <laughs> that I always go in thinking, well, Korean can win this game type of thing. Um, and so on. I do think they, they can win the game. Um, I mean, the morale of beating Linfield, the obvious factor of getting three points, etc., would, would be a, a driving thing there. And the other thing, Orn is very is really good at preparing his team, getting the tactics right for particular games and, and so on. Now I know we all want to on this terrace, we all want to be a tactician and we all have a view about this, that, or the other thing, but it boils down to 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 the manager. So um, again, probably 
uh, like I would have last night if you had said in advance I would have taken a draw. Um, I think it has slightly changed because we didn't get a draw out of that game and lost. It's I, I would like a win. <laughs> I would like a win. And I, I think potentially we could do it. But I do think probably they're going to have to be a refresh of the team uh, in, in some way, without doubt. Yeah. Yeah, Oren's, I mean, Jolly... Yeah. What, sorry, Nevin, what did you say? Well, no, no, Warren, obviously, rec- and the board recognise that. Then uh, it's the balance of where you get the right uh, person with the right investment and so on. Yeah, It is. It's, it is. It is. I think it's proving difficult. I mean, Oren mentioned in one of his recent interviews saying that his phone had been red hot. So it's not like it's not like the manager and the board aren't trying to get oh. players in. It's just that they're proving difficult to get. And today's market is slightly exaggerated with the big money moves that we have seen. So that has a knock-on effect that other teams and other players become more expensive. Um, uh, Johnny, it's probably unlikely that we'll have any new faces in by Saturday. So given that and, and what we watched on, on Tuesday night, would you share Nevin's optimism that we could get the three points against the Blues? Uh, why not? You know, I think you know, the last time we played them... Um, Less said about the man in the middle, maybe the better, but you know, we gave it our best shot. And I think, you know, our missed chances was probably just as equally probably to blame for not getting anything that day as well. So why not? You know, the games between the two teams are usually pretty tight and there's usually one goal in that airway. Obviously, Lumfield, um, they had a good result in Chase Night. I think if you get a draw at seat at Solitude at any time of the season, you're you're, you're going well. And, and obviously Glentorna now breathing down their necks. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a massive crowd. I, I just think Corian just need a big win just from somewhere um, just to get a bit of momentum there going and, and to get just... It's not as if the place is doom and gloom, but just to give the players probably just an added boost as they ahead of the, the cup game against Portadown. So, yeah, look, Orn's the most meticulous man I've ever met in my life. I've, I've, heard, I've said this on here plenty of time. Um, you know, his attention to detail is crazy. The stuff he knows is absolutely bonkers and that's why he's a school teacher as well. So, um, he, he he knows the crack um, as well, so I'm sure it depends what he's going to do. Does he stick with a, you know does he does he stick with a four four one one that he started on Tuesday, or does he revert to a three five two that he that he ended with? Because we 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 started we ended well at the end, if you know what I mean, the end of the game. So doesn't that we we will we'll just be writing about it and, uh, and let Warren the with the targets board and, and get away with it. But uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing Clement with his twelve mascots on Saturday that he has um, lined up. So. Um, I, if all else fails, we can just play the mascots instead. Very good. But I think it's interesting. I mean, as you say, Johnny, it'll be a big crowd. Linfield will always bring a big crowd. Uh, Corian always have a good crowd when Linfield come to town as well. And I mean, it is set up, isn't it? I mean, Corian, they're not far away. They're just, as you say, Johnny, they just need a big win just to sort of change the mood a little bit. They just seem to be close but just not able to get that elusive big win that they need and and as you say a win against Linfield on Saturday just give them a real fill up going into the, the Irish Cup game against Portadown Nevin which is obviously going to be a very difficult game given the fact that they have a new manager in situ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah I mean absolutely and I mean for even the likes of Portadown for slightly different reasons um, that's a money spinning route for them and so the motivation levels they, they get higher and, and so on. So um, interesting games, yes. And it's what football fans um, look for. I have to it say. is. 
you know, and we'll just wrap it up here. But I mean, I think as well as the the match itself on Saturday, I think most of the fans will be going just to see the wall coming down, and it'll just be the novelty factor, won't it? Just, oh yeah. You know, uh-huh. um, because we've all grown up, and you come and you go through the gate, and you don't see what's in behind it until you're through, and now you'll be able to just roll up, and you'll see the people in the concourse before the game, etc. So. Yeah. Different times, and again, again, it's just the latest example of just the progress that's being made. And um, if we can do that, and we get a three points on Saturday, we'll all be we'll all be happy over the weekend. So, um, Nevin, I would just like to say thank you very much for for taking the time to to come on to the show this afternoon. It's been um, an absolute delight, um, and it was really interesting just to hear your your memories of uh, of the the time when Korean nearly went out of business. So, thank you very much for your for your time. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Amy and Jonathan. Yeah. And uh, Johnny, just thank you very much as well. Um, your input as ever, top class. And uh, it's always good to have another journal here just to keep us uh, keep us right. I just I just noticed here in my emails just before we go, we were talking there just a little bit about young players, etc., and the players coming through. And I'm just looking at the Northern Ireland Schools FA. We have an email in. Uh, for the under-18 international team um, for a trip to Jersey later this month. And it's interesting to note that we have Alex Henderson in the squad. We also have Lewis Tosh in the squad and Patrick Kelly, who we mentioned earlier as well. So and, there. And, uh, and Jack McFeely as well for them. And Jack Jack McFeely as well. So I think that speaks volumes of probably of, of the work that's ongoing and we refer to um, and if we've got three or four players to get in the under-18s, the future might be bright after all, guys. What do we think? I certainly wasn't aware of that that match and those players getting involved. Uh, that's that's superb, and it does show you the value in having an academy and, um, you know, attracting those large numbers to get the gems, as I call it, you know? Yeah, okay. it does indeed, and it bodes well for the future, guys. So... Well, here, guys, thank you very much again and um, for your time. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to everybody out there who continues to listen to the podcast. Um, it's greatly appreciated. And any feedback at any time uh, is warmly welcomed as well. So um, until next week, uh, we wish you well. And hopefully we will be celebrating a good three points on Saturday against Linfield. So until next week, thank you very much. And as ever, come on, the Bandsiders. <laughs>